It's official. Another Star Wars movie is in the works. And by this I mean Taika Waititi's movie announcement. Which means there's another opportunity for fans to get excited or absolutely livid. Both outcomes tend to come from the franchise's recent decision-making with its movies and its attempts to please as many people as possible. I'm going to talk to you today about the six main issues Disney and Lucasfilm need to avoid going forward with future Star Wars movies. Welcome back, everybody, to another fresh episode of Han Talks First. If you're new to this podcast, this is the podcast you're looking for. The Star Wars podcast where we talk about everything Star Wars, the latest and greatest of the galaxy far, far away. Like I said in the opening, we are going to talk about some of the main issues that I think Disney and Lucasfilm should avoid going forward with making future Star Wars movies on mistakes that they have very clearly made in the past. Uh, a lot of this is opinionated, um, but I find that you might agree with me with most of it. And before we jump into it, I need to uh, talk to you guys about a response by one of the filmmakers from The Last Jedi on Taika, Titi's, Taika, Taika Waititi's movie announcement. So Ryan Johnson responded on Twitter to the news about Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie. And his tweet says, I have no idea what kind of Star Wars will come out of Taika and Christie's and Leslie's brains. If I tried to guess, I'd be wrong. And that is the most exciting thing I can imagine. So he's not only talking about Taika Waititi, but he's talking about the, the other writer that's joining Taika on this new Star Wars journey, the girl who wrote... Uh, the script for 1917. Um, but he's also throwing in uh, Leslie Hedburn, Hedburn or something. I forget her last name, but the woman who's developing this new female-led uh, Star Wars live-action TV series. And I think there's some interesting things to take out of such a short uh, tweet. Um, for one... It really sounds like he's defending himself, isn't it? Um, especially the last part where he says, I think the most exciting thing that I can imagine is if I try to guess what they're going to come up with, I'd be wrong. And it's kind of just like how he said his movie was going to be. He's like, you know, when he was promoting it, he's like, whatever you think is right, it's wrong. Especially he pushed this with the whole Snoke theory. He was like, your Snoke theory sucks. And we never really got a, a Snoke theory from Ryan Johnson to begin with, but it's a whole other story. But um, it's, it's a very petty way of responding to this news, isn't it? He could have just said, I really look forward to seeing what they come up with. But no, he had to go with the whole pushing this subliminal, you know, or subversion of expectation want that he wants to see continued in Star Wars. I don't know why he's trying to push that so much, but yet again, he, he tries to, to push it in with these these people's movies. What if that's not what they wanted to do? What if that's not what they were trying to go for in their, their films? And now he set the precedent for them and they're he, trying to keep himself involved with Lucasfilm and I guess still trying to get people excited about the fact that he has a trilogy that has yet to be deemed dead, <laughs> which I honestly do not believe we're getting his, his trilogy that 
Kathleen Kennedy so badly wants to put out in the world. But I don't know. This was just interesting. You know, he he's he's weird on Twitter, isn't he? He it seems like he's a completely different guy on Twitter. He's he's very petty. He's very responsive to to hate. And when he's on interviews and stuff, he he always diverts the uh, specific questions or or uh, conflict. But then on Twitter, he he goes right into the fire, and it's just very interesting. And the little he does talk about Star Wars, it's usually in a negative way. This isn't a negative tweet by any means, but uh, I can kind of see through the lines on what he's trying to get across here. And um, I could be wrong. Maybe he's just making a tweet of how Asics really, honestly, genuinely is excited about what they're going to bring to the table. But um, if I had to put money on it, I think he's still kind of struggling. Anyway... Today's episode is inspired by an article on Cinema Blend written by Mick Jost. And, of course, it is on the six issues that Star Wars movies need to avoid going forward. Star Wars often does the same stuff with its movies over and over again, and it may be time to shake things up. So let's talk about some of the common tropes that annoy most people in the most recent years and how the franchise could improve significantly if it stopped repeating these mistakes from movie to movie. There's six here I could that I have written down. I could come up with more as we continue to talk, but as of right now, there's six. And I think the first one is story elements that aren't explained until after the movie. Now, what do I mean by this is, you know, how often do we have to look into a comic or a novel to get further information on a plot hole or a hanging thread? You know, one... Example, a specific example that comes up time and time again for me is how the hell did Maz Kanata get Luke's lightsaber? You know, if it's answered in a book or a comic or what have you, I don't know about it because I, that's not how I wanted to find out. I was kind of hoping that when she said it's a story for another time, that would mean episode eight or episode nine, we would get those answers. You know, not only was the character flattened, like completely forgotten going forward, but also her importance as a character, as far as bringing in that MacGuffin, or just uh, the nostalgia element of it, I I don't know. But that's one thing that I see has happened time and time again in these Star Wars movies, is that we're introduced to things, or ideas, or or concepts, or people, and and then it's just left hanging. And a lot of the time, it's answered in movies. Um... I'm mainly talking about The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker here because J.J. loves to do that. He loves to tease things, make them seem really important, and then never gets around to answering them. Of course, there's examples of this in The Last Jedi as well. You know, especially the big one, I would think, being Snoke, obviously. But there's there's so much more that I can't even... I can't go over all of them as much as I would love to. But I'm sure... What are some of the ones that you guys that come to mind for you guys. You know, this is something I think Lucasfilm should keep in mind going forward. The writer should keep in mind going forward. You know, if you introduce something and you, you highlight it in the, in the story beats, then I think it's worth addressing going forward. And a lot of this has to do with characterization, which I'll get into in another point here later on. Uh, the second issue I see is overhyping insignificant characters. This has to do with what I just said. You know, what do Maz Kanata, what does Captain Phasma, and what does Zori Bliss all have in common? They are all characters 
that were hyped well ahead of their respective movies. You know, I think if you're going to promote characters, you need to promote the characters that are going to be impactful to the story. We could talk about Rose Tico, okay? She was on every single panel for The Rise of Skywalker. She was interviewed more, I think, than Daisy Ridley in some in some media outlets. You know, they were highlighting her as um, a, a leading female in the movie. And they were also highlighting her as the first Asian uh, co-semi-lead in a Star Wars movie. Which is all great. It's great things to promote. But what was the point of promoting it so hard if she was in the movie for less than five minutes, you know? Same thing with Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss was at every single panel that the uh, Rose Tico actress was at. And (laughs) she was barely in the movie, too. And, of course, I, I realize her importance to the story in that moment. But when you hype her up so much and make her seem like she's going to be a main character, then the magic is gone when it comes on screen. You're let down at the moment that she she leaves the movie and never comes back again. And in this case, she does, and she ends up being in the final battle scene for about another minute. And then she nods her head at Poe. And then, of course, shakes her head at Poe. <laughs> you know, how, how much cooler do you think Zori Bliss would be if she wasn't promoted for The Rise of Skywalker. Think about it. Think about if we didn't have any any uh, leaked photos of her, or if they didn't put any posters with her her face on it. I mean, she's a really cool design, and a really cool outfit. And that's one of the things that made Boba Fett so special and important, is because he wasn't advertised, he wasn't promoted or overhyped before these movies came out. He was just another character. And then the fans then got to see all these neat new things when watching the movie and it made it just even better. And that's when the urge for more comes. And this is when going back to the first issue that I have here is that story elements aren't explained all the way through. And this has to do with hyping up insignificant characters and insignificant things. You know, they hyped up Zori Bliss. So when we see her in the movie, we're disappointed by the fact that she had little screen time and less less to say, less to do. But going into it without knowing that she was going to be there and seeing that awesome-looking character and see that there was a, a relation, a past relationship with Poe Dameron, oh my god, I want, I want to know more about that. But again, it's how you do it. You can't introduce her as like a very important character with a, with a rich, which a rich history that has to do with the Skywalker saga. You have to introduce her like a Boba Fett. And you have to introduce her as insignificant to these characters in this story. Everyone can have a tie-in. But it's how you introduce it and how you implement those elements into the overall arcing story. So that's it for the second issue that I think should be focused on going forward. The the third one here is that I, I don't think we should focus on Skywalkers anymore. I think that's one of the big problems that this sequel trilogy had was that it focused heavily on this whole Skywalker ideology. Not just the bloodline, but also the fact that Rey wanted to adopt the name and, and commandeer this, this, this religion going forward and being a Skywalker and what that means. Yeah, anyone can be a Skywalker. Anyone can change their name. But we're talking about the bloodline here and what a Skywalker means to the world of Star Wars. 
I'm sorry, but Luke Skywalker doesn't have to do with everything going on in the galaxy. It has nothing to do with Mandalorian. Luke Skywalker has nothing to do with the prequel movies, right? Yet somehow, the sequels make it so that everything revolves around Luke Skywalker. Even in the original trilogy, not everything was surrounded in A New Hope. That wasn't about Luke Skywalker. As far as the galaxy's terms were, the galaxy didn't know who Luke Skywalker was. They didn't care. It wasn't a big deal. Their, Their... lot in life was just being under the rule of this giant empire. And there was a small band of rebels that were trying to fight against it. But other than that, there wasn't this one prodigy that was to rise up and and save the world. It wasn't until Return of the Jedi that people started to hear about Luke Skywalker and get inspired by that message. And then 7, 8, and 9 were all about Luke Skywalker and what his legacy was. So I think we kind of got lost in what Star Wars could be as far as introducing different types of characters, ones that were outside of what we know. And this ties into the fourth issue, which is Star Wars really needs to get rid of the us versus them plot lines. And what I mean by that is this whole idea of one side trying to take control over a galaxy. That's what the original trilogy was about, control over the galaxy. The prequels weren't even about that. The prequels were about this small government and a faction of Jedi Knights who were supposed to be peacekeepers that lost control. Yes, the Emperor was trying, the Palpatine was trying to get control over the galaxy, but that's not what the movie was about. It was about this boy and this faction of Jedi that were slowly losing their ability to function by their own dogmatic ways. And then the original trilogy, that is about control over the galaxy. And even more so, it's still just about a a family coming together and uh, fighting against something that's that's not good. So that is, in a way, an us-versus-them plotline, but the sequel trilogy didn't need to be that again. You know, especially when it's about the same exact villain. So it's it's just, we're repeating the original trilogy over again. Uh, something, a little side note here. I've been thinking about it a lot recently and about how I feel about the sequel trilogy as a whole. And I recently just rewatched the prequel movies and um, I watched one with my girlfriend too. We watched Revenge of the Sith together and of course Phantom Medicine Attack of the Clones I watched by myself and I just had so much fun with them and I can, every time I watch it, I see more details that that I just pick up on that I never noticed before that I just, I see the vision that George was crafting in his mind and on this medium and how, you know, it was one guy thought of this epic story and it just blows my mind that he was able to do it. And there's never, there's honestly never been a movie like any of the prequels before. It wasn't even shot like a traditional Hollywood film. Go back and rewatch it. It's really, it's honestly really different. It's, it's like um, if you'd ever seen an episode of Days of Our Lives, which is a soap opera. It's actually very similar to that, as far as the way it's com- composited together. So I find it interesting. But anyway, the point I'm getting to is I've, I've actually, I think, 
I like the prequels over the sequels. <laughs> it's crazy to say because The Force Awakens is so, so good. But I think I'm a prequel guy. And you know what? Next week we're actually going to get into that. I'm going to have an episode titled Prequels versus the Sequels. Self-plug! So come back next week and check it out. And we're going to... Maybe I'll get a guest on. We'll talk about the prequels versus the sequels. So anyway, the us versus them plot lines, they need to skedaddle, right? And what's one thing that control over the galaxy has in common with all of these films? Well, it has to do with our fifth issue, and that is machines that destroy planets. The Death Star. Star Killer Base. In Rise of Skywalker, we had those those uh, starships that had the, pal- <laughs> the power to destroy planets of their own. The Death Star and Starkiller Base were effective fear-mongering devices for, for a hot minute, but ultimately not worth the time nor the effort for what they accomplished. I mean, this is especially true when considering how easy both were destroyed, and that the fear that they struck in destroying planets only strengthened rebel factions to band together and stop them. I mean, at that point, it loses intimidation. Don't you agree? If, if we keep introducing these, these, these power killers, these machines that destroy planets, or just big epic bombs or whatever, all it does is make people come together to destroy it, right? We, so at this, at this point, which is fine, we can have tons of movies about that, I don't care. But when it's one after the other, that, that's when you got to kind of put a pin in it and say, okay, we did been there, done that. So I think we need to introduce a new, a new threat, we need a threat. That's a, that's the point of a movie. It doesn't have to be a, a physical threat. Of course, it can be, you know, an, uh, a, um, a mental obstacle. Of course, anything really. But a threat to a central protagonist or an antagonist, a pro hero, you know, um, anti hero, whatever. But we we need a different kind of threat at this point. Uh, something that is that is that's true. That is has a strong ideology. That that makes sense. That has to that is completely unbalanced with our, our lead character, whatever that may be. Speaking of characters, I think Star Wars, at least in recent years, have had a lot of characters in them, don't you think? This kind of has to do with overhyping insignificant characters, such as Zori Bliss, Rose Tico, Captain Phasma... But I think our sixth and final issue for what Lucasfilm needs to keep in mind going forward is that we need to stop with ensemble pieces. It's just not, it's not fun anymore. And it's, it's becoming overkill. There's too much to, to handle. It's becoming televised. In television, we have tons of characters. Like, you'll get a pilot and you'll have nine different beginnings of these characters' journeys and then... Like five episodes later, they're all intertwined, and you'll realize, okay, it was worth my time. But when you have a movie that's you have a set like you know three hour max that you can't go over time on, you you lose your characters in it. Star Wars has a tendency to create a bunch of likable characters, but then they struggle to give all of them important roles in the story. The Force Awakens it gave us an introduction to three leads: Rey, Finn. And Poe. And I feel that there's an obligation to give those characters a full fledged arc and importance 
if not in the first movie, at least by the <laughs> freaking end of the third one. We lost Rey in the sequel trilogy. We lost her as a character. We lost her as a significance importance to the overall saga. And we also lost her as just pure enjoyment or fun to be around. She just slowly got pushed to the back. And it all started at the end of the, la- the beginning of The Last Jedi. You know, she went to the island, she found Luke, and then we, we just hopped on the Luke's back and we became, it became his story. And yeah, she was involved and she had, you know, a back and forth with him and Kylo, but uh, we learned nothing new about Rey. And just like in The Empire Strikes Back, just like in Attack of the Clones, the second installment is supposed to be when we really find out who our characters are. This is even something that was promised by Ryan Johnson. He said he really wanted to get deep into these characters and figure out what their dark spots were. Do you guys remember that? He said he said he wanted to really get into what these characters' fears were, and he wanted to rip them apart. I, I, I didn't see it. If it was there, I missed it. Maybe someone can enlighten me. But that that's what I think is most important. And Ray has to do with almost all of these issues. You know, she was, she was a story element that wasn't explained. And she probably won't be until after the movie. I mean, we didn't even freaking see her with her lightsaber until the last 10 seconds of the movie. Why? Why? I mean, even if you're looking at it on the business side of Disney and Lucasfilm, wouldn't you want to sell that lightsaber? That's going to sell a shitload of money. But for some reason, it was put to the very end. Why? So you can leave the book end open for, for more stories to tell in the future? Daisy Ridley's not going to want to come back to this. At least anytime soon. Hell no. I don't, see, <laughs> I don't see that happening. She's so done with it. She Even at the episode 9 panel, before, before the movie came out at the Star Wars Celebration last year, she looked so unenthused to be there. Not because she didn't know what to say, but because, I think because she was just she wasn't feeling it like she used to. During during uh, the Force Awakens, before and after, she was extremely giddy and peppy and so much fun, and you could tell she really loved that character and what happened. And then she was kind of silenced after the Last Jedi, and then by the time the Rise of Skywalker came out, she was very bland, even in interviews, which is kind of sad to see. Don't get me wrong, I love Daisy Ridley. She's my favorite part of the sequel trilogy, <laughs> even with everything I've said, how she's kind of insignificant to the movie at this point. And <laughs> she's a Skywalker? You can't cover it up with that. You can't say at the end of this saga, at the end of this trilogy, that Rey is a Skywalker and, and think that that's going to that's gonna make up for everything that you left her out of or everything that you, you didn't explain to us. It doesn't, it doesn't make it up for us. They threw us her these fake parents, right? Which which isn't even believable, because Kylo Ren said they were nobodies. Then he comes back a year later and he's like, "Actually, they were uh, Palpatine's uh, kids." Yeah, so you're you're the granddaughter, right? They give her a lightsaber. I don't know. It's all kind of messed up. So let's let's review real quick those six issues before we get out of here. So number one, story elements need to be explained. During the movie, not after in a comic or a book. Number two, gotta stop overhyping insignificant characters. Keep it simple. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. You know, Ray, Poe, Finn. 
if that's how it was from beginning to end, I think that would have left a lot more excitement and mystery to the other characters that were in the background. And then we wouldn't be dis- disappointed when we find out characters like Captain Phasma were shot off. <laughs> twice. Twice, actually. She was killed off twice. <laughs> Number three, no more Skywalkers. As much as I love the lineage, and as much as I would really love to see more, even if it is Rey Skywalker, I would love to see more. But I think for this time period right now, at least for the next five, ten years, we gotta, we got to talk about something else. we gotta, got to move on. Let the past die. Right? Kylo, you get me, right? Let the past die? Yeah. Um, number four, the us versus them plot line. Specifically, taking control of the galaxy. Let's, let's get a little bit smaller, right? Don't get bigger. Don't get bigger, Kathleen Kennedy. Don't, don't take control of two galaxies now. Huh? A little smaller. Bring it down. Bite size. Arr. Number five, <laughs> planetarily... Or, Machines that destroy planets, planet killers, star killers, whatever. Stop it. Death stars. No. Star destroyers that have planet-destroying guns on it. No. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Give me something else. Give me machete in space. I bet Danny Trejo would love to come in and whack some people with a machete lightsaber. And finally, number six, stop with the ensemble pieces, please, please. If anyone from Disney Lucasfilm is listening or a future aspiring writer that wants to make a Star Wars movie, please, no more ensemble pieces. Unless it's like, unless it's like, I don't know. What's an ensemble piece? (laughs) 12 Angry Men. Give me that. Give me that movie. 12 Angry Men in the Star Wars universe. I want 12 angry men, or or women, you know, whatever. But I want (laughs) people in a courtroom a jury in a Star Wars courtroom talking about Jedi Sith or the Sith Bane uh, and how he killed his his uh, his family, his dad. <laughs> Give me that story. And they're trying to discuss his fate. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the prequels all over again. Just politics and space. I don't know. But what I'm saying is don't let us lose our main character with so many extra ensemble pieces, please. Anyway, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a look at other episodes on this channel. Next week, we're having prequels versus sequels. Check out the social media. Everything is at Han Talks First or at Han Talks First Podcast. Also, check out the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening again. And now, somehow, someway, somewhere, this week, may the Force be with you.